Welcome to the Extreme Medicine Podcast. My name's Will Duffin, GP and Education Lead. This is the podcast for health professionals with adventurous and curious minds. As extreme medics, our senses are already finely tuned into picking up signs and clues of disease in patients. But when we turn our minds to the natural world, we often lose ourselves in grid references, maps and screens. My guest today is Tristan Gooley. Now, Tristan researches, teaches and writes about a completely different paradigm, natural navigation. This is the art of finding your way using nature. That might be the sun, the moon, stars, weather, land, sea, plants, animals, anything really. And uh, it's a completely different way of seeing the world. Tristan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me on, Will. It's a it's a great pleasure. Now I can hear the bird song. I can see on the video that you're in the forest. <laughs> yes, amazing. Yeah, yeah I, I work um, near Chichester, and I have about 400 acres of of Forestry Commission woodland uh, that that sort of joins home. And I have a cabin just in the woods, which is where I do any indoor research and and writing. But uh, it's wonderful to to be able to you know. Just get out here almost almost hourly. Yeah, I love it. Ah, oh, so I'm I'm recording this from inner city Bristol, and just the sound of the bird song and the, and the the greenery that that's kind of forming a halo around your head on 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 the video. It, it's just it's lovely to see. <laughs> so, um, Tristan, what is natural navigation? I think you gave it a, a really good intro uh, just then. It is it is using clues and signs to to find our way. And my only rule is that it's it's we're not using anything handheld, so nothing, not even a paper map, even though I love them. Uh, but anything that that isn't in our hands or or in our possession, we can use. So, TV satellite dishes have trends, and one of the first things I do in an urban environment is is tune to that trend. So across the UK, they point close to southeast, uh, and in in all natural navigation, there are, there are several levels. That that's quite a quite a fun sort of intro level. But then serious natural navigation geeks um, will will work out the exact satellite in each region. So when you go to a, when you go to a new town or city, uh, you tune into that sort of thing. So that's not what people would necessarily call nature, but it's it's fair game as far as I'm concerned. But of course, it includes all the plants and animals and what most people would consider nature as well. I see, and it's interesting because I think the 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 geekery there's really no end to it the, the amount of material you've produced on this subject is phenomenal you've got a a, a website a series of books uh, now a new podcast on this and the granular detail that you can access it, it, just to find your way north or south is phenomenal the amount of clues that are there in your environment that i would never have thought to to look for it it's uh it's incredible Yes, the I think the fast and fun way into the subject is thinking, you know, what are the hacks? What are the fast tricks for, for working out north or north, south, east or west? But once people have had a bit of fun with those, the next step, which is where it becomes a little bit more involved, but uh, a lot more satisfying and both intellectually and practically, which is we go from a, a compass to a map. So my whole philosophy is based on the idea that absolutely everything we see outdoors is a clue or a sign to something. Quite often it's direction, but it can be a much broader map-making tool. It can tell us how close we are to water. It can tell us how close we are to towns, for example. And, and then I, I see that as part of a jigsaw. So quite often, when if people are not sure whether this subject is for them, 
I try not to sort of make the argument that it is really technical, it is really involved, and it is, you know, I certainly don't make the, the argument that you absolutely have to do this. I come in with a, you know, just have a bit of fun. You can you can do it from indoors. You can look out of a window and say, which way am I looking? And I can pretty much guarantee from, from most windows there will be at least a dozen clues that will answer that question for you. Wow. And are there any... Uh, let's say for people who are new to natural navigation, are there any kind of quick wins, any ways that they can work, uh, find their way north or south in, in, in their environment uh, without having to get too too into the, the geekery of it all? Yes, I think most people are comfortable with the idea that we can use the, the sun, moon and stars. But within that, there are lots and lots of layers. So the sun is due south in the middle of the day, but but rather sort of surprising for, for most people, most people don't actually know where the sun rises, which is quite good fun. Um, so the difference between the direction of sunrise and sunset over the course of a, um, sorry, the difference in direction for sunrise over the course of a year is almost 90 degrees in the UK. It, it rises close to northeast in midsummer and close to um, southeast in midwinter. But once once we've, I often say to people, start at the top and work down. So if you've got clues from the, the sun, the moon or the stars, you use those. That You then come down and start to look at the clouds. Now, clouds are a really good example of they can make a fantastic map for us. We get more clouds over towns, more clouds over over woodland in, in most temperate zones. Um, I, I've actually um, nearing the end of first draft and a book pretty much on 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 just that. But um, but then we we come down and the I've mentioned satellite dishes on roofs, but but the orientation of buildings themselves. So churches tend to be aligned west to east with the altar at the eastern end and the highest point, the tower or the steeple at the western end. They're actually over 20 clues of just using churches and then dozens more using other other religious buildings as well. If, if we look at uh, if we take an urban environment, the whether there are shutters on windows, whether people um, uh, the, the flow of people themselves, uh, if you if you go with the flow of people early in the morning, sorry, against the flow of people early in the morning or with the flow of people late in the afternoon, you'll probably find a transport hub like a station. Although we're, we're, we're in interesting times at the moment, I think that model's probably broken down a little bit, but it, it'll be back hopefully before too long. Wow, so just so much that you can use in your environment to, to guide you. Uh, where, how did you first get into this? Why did you decide to devote your career to um, reading the clues in the world around you? I, I definitely consider myself a naturalist, but I didn't come from a naturalist path into this. It was actually the, the other route in. So as a kid, I liked putting together journeys and the journeys got bigger. So um, ponds became lakes, became oceans and hills became mountains. And I fell in love with the art of, of navigation. And I thought I'll try and try and become um, a competent and then expert at that. And I did that just by setting myself a series of stepping stone challenges. So it really was as simple as trying to sail from the south coast of England to the Isle of Wight, uh, then became uh, trying to trying to sail to France, became trying to, you know, sail in the Arctic, sailing across the Atlantic. Um, exactly the same with walking. The, the size of mountains went up. But they only went up to a certain height, actually, because above, above about, you know, 20,000 feet, it's quite hard to have free reign unless you're an out-and-out uh, mountaineering route pioneer. So so what I would tend to do is, is you know, mountains between you know, four and 14,000 feet were my kind of really fun zone because there you can still, for one a better way of putting it, make it up as you go along. Uh, and, and exactly the same thing in, in, in aircraft. It was, it was a hundred pound cup of tea flying from, um, Berkshire to, to Devon and back or something like that, um, became, 
trying to trying to build towards flying to Africa, then the Arctic, and then then the transatlantic. So you've done quite a number of journeys over land in mountainous areas and on in the ocean, just using your your senses and your wits without any formal navigation equipment. Yeah, well, actually, it started with conventional navigation, and then um, because I didn't didn't answer properly just then that what just got some horses going past in the background you might hear. Um, uh, and then then what I found was that the journeys became quite extensive, but the uh, the satisfaction didn't didn't go up with that. So I turned it on its head in my twenties, and instead of trying to do a thousand mile things, which I was still doing, there, there was a lot of overlap. I started doing one or two mile. Uh, um, expeditions i still felt they were in in the english countryside but with no equipment at all so crossing a mile of english woodland without using a map compass gps or, or smartphone or anything like that i mean when i started this no smartphones but um is is it's a fantastic an entirely different level of challenge so a, a thousand mile expedition is it's a lot as as you know all of your community will know it, it, it's a lot about being organized and the way I put it is it, it ends up being checklists of checklists. Um, you know, if the kit works, uh, and flying is a great example, it's just nonstop lists of things to do. And and, and natural navigation allows you to you, you shrink the physical scale, but the challenge doesn't get any smaller because you haven't got these lists to rely on. You're having to use your senses. You're having to say, okay, right now I need to work out which way is north or in a different sort of situation, you're, you're trying to understand where you are just by using the, the gradient of the land, for example. Do you think there's an, some inherent joy in intentionally getting lost in your surroundings and not having, say, a fixed route? Uh, do, do you think that perhaps you experience even your local woodland in, in, in a new light through, through natural navigation? Totally. And I think uh, without getting too philosophical, I think it is a, a really healthy way to look at things is that we are never entirely lost, but we, we can always know where we are better. By which I mean something I try and do at least once a week is is take on a, a very, very short challenge, sometimes a little bit longer, but more often than not, it is just a, a mile or two. And there'll come moments in that where if somebody said to me, are you lost? I would say no. If they said, can you within 10 meters point on a map exactly where you are? I'd say not necessarily, because there I might be using a combination of knowing that there's a river running east-west that's south of me and taking great joy in the fact that actually I don't have to know within 10 meters. If you're, you know, on an icy mountain in, in, in winter and, and 10 metres in the wrong way is going to lead to serious problems, you have to take, obviously, an entirely different approach. But, but natural navigation is not primarily, from my perspective, it is not about um, getting yourself out of a fix primarily. It can help in those situations. But what I say to people is it's more about understanding where you are when things are going well, which you can, of course, uh, add to your toolkit if things start going very badly. But for every person who finds themselves in a genuine survival situation, there are going to be a million people who who can enjoy the outdoors more. So that that's really where I come come at it from. I see. So that many people would say, well, surely this is only useful as a survival skill. I'm, I'm, if the chance of me finding myself in a survival situation in my backyard is is low, but what you're saying is actually this is a way of enriching journeys and and connecting more with with the world around you. Yes, and I see navigation as being. Um, uh, two or three decades behind food. So with food, the the challenge for um, Western societies and 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 to this day many other societies is is just getting enough calories, um, vitamins and minerals over the course of a week. 
Now, on the calorie side, uh, we, we, we nailed that in, in most sort of um, industrialized societies a few decades ago. But then what happens is we suddenly realize that's not all that food is about. You know, the most economical way of getting calories into our bodies is, is not culturally very satisfying. Uh, we end up with, with, with fast food and, and junk food and, you know, boxes of cereals and things like that, you know, trying to, trying to fill all the, all the calories. So culturally, we've realized that food plays a more interesting and important role in our, in our daily lives. Um, but we haven't quite got there. And I'm, I'm trying with others to, to get that appreciation with navigation that if we say to a computer, just get me from A to B, uh, that is the equivalent of, of eating a sort of, you know, a 99p cheeseburger. It's it, it works, but culturally there's nothing you've you've missed. Basically, you've missed everything between A and B. Natural navigation is much closer to the other end of the spectrum where we're a little bit like cooking something complex for ourselves. We, we have to really understand what's going on and it may actually cost more in, in, in resources and time. But we end up understanding what's going on. We have a relationship with that process and the end result. Natural navigation is the same. If you, if you, we've all had that experience, myself very much included, where you're chatting away as a passenger in a car and you get to your destination. It, it happens with my wife sometimes, where we'll go to a party. Yeah. Not a lot recently because of lockdown, but we'll go to a party in 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 a town, and um, she'll she'll have a couple of glasses of wine, good good sort of early tactical move, and then say you're you're driving, and I'll go okay, but actually I genuinely have no idea how to get back because I've I've switched <laughs> off on the journey. Whereas natural navigation, you can, you can, I mean, down to even genuinely down to about two or 300 meters, you can have quite an interesting challenge. Um, but you have to, you know, you, you really do have to be switched on and, and understanding what's going on around you. I love that tactical move by your wife by getting the wine in early. Then she's, yeah, she, I'm sorry, I, I, I can't drive. It's, it's over to you. She's, yeah. <laughs> masterful stroke. Um, yeah, would you? What would you say to people, Tristan, who who would say that you are a laggard? That you this is a wholesale rejection of technology. We've got GPS, we've got uh, we've got um, OS maps on our smartphones. Um, you know, why do we need all of this when uh, when all the technology is there? And are, are you just rejecting it? Um... No, I, I, I'm a big fan of technology and, and there's, a, there's a beautiful irony that it allows us to do primitive things more safely. So since I was in my early 20s, I've, you know, there's one mate in particular, but I've done it with others as well. I would just walk into Dartmoor and try and get lost. And that is only responsible because I've got a map, compass, GPS and various other bits of kit in very remote areas, satellite phones, uh, emergency located yeah. transmitters, all sorts of kit, which tends to stay in the rucksack. Um, but the technology is allowing me to to connect with the landscape and understand it it better. One of the other things I think is really interesting is that I genuinely believe in some of the work that that I'm doing and others are now doing. Um, it, it is possible to not only use the best of what our our ancestors were doing, and to this day some of the in, indigenous cultures as well. We can actually get to this strange zone where we are using the primitive philosophy. Um, but taking it to places that they never could because we are leaning on uh, scientific research. So to give you an example, I quite often will notice a trend in the way a plant is, is growing or, or, or an animal is behaving. I will then go and find that for reasons that have nothing to do with navigation, scientists have done some incredible research and found out that a plant or an animal behaves in a certain way. Typically, the research will come about because of farming and agriculture. But I'm then able to use that, and I'm then able to use a plant and an animal in a way that somebody even 2,000 years ago 
wouldn't necessarily have done. So we, we, and that's the wonderful thing about science. I, I, mm. you know, I, everything I do is, is rooted in science. Um, mm. but it allows us to kind of, yeah, take that, take that ancient way of looking at things and, and, and be, you know, use a, use an article from nature journal that, that only came out a week ago to, to bolster that method. And I, I adore that, that synergy. That's really interesting. Yeah, so some of the methods are, are rooted in tradition, um, and but you're you're melding that with the, the some some science uh, a, a knowledge of all the different the, the species and and and, uh, and and flora that are in your environment. Um, so you're you're a botanist, you're a geographer, you're a, a naturalist, you're you're all of uh, all of those things. Yeah, and I, I see that in the uh, the medical community a lot. Actually, it does attract. Um, polymaths uh, and um, I think every every area needs its specialists but uh, I've done a lot of sailing with medics actually and mm. uh, they're great people to have on, on your team at the pub quiz because they <laughs> touch a little bit of everything and natural navigation is is like that exactly as you say it can be botany one day geology the next astronomy the day after that and it also it appeals to a very broad range of people as well because it is part of life uh, it, it doesn't matter whether you're you know, going to the going to the loo in the middle of the night, or trying to cross um, 500 kilometres of desert, navigation is going to form part of everybody's daily routine. Uh, even deciding which side of bed to get out of is the start yeah. of navigation, and therefore, understanding that process is just adds a layer of richness to every day. Uh, it isn't it isn't all about practicality. It, it is about our experience, our understanding, and our sense of connection. So after a midnight toilet trip, what are the clues that help you navigate your way safely back to bed without nav- without waking your wife? Well, that's yeah. I think we probably all have our own no- nighttime maps. I mean, I've never actually thought about this, but one of the things I use, which is which is a very sort of typical uh, type of navigation, is a landmark navigation. So mm. during the day, uh, we all have our typical routes, even if we're just walking to a car. Um, but at night, there's a there's an alarm clock on my wife's side of the bed, which has uh, those those red it has a red sort of digital display on it. I know when that when I can see that past, uh, it's like a transit line past the corner of one edge of the bedroom. <laughs> yeah. It's safe to go down two steps. That's literally how I do it. So I'd never thought of that, but Amazing. that's that's an example. I am without without you know now I think about it. If she for whatever reason decides to turn that clock off, I could quite easily sort of fall down the stairs. <laughs> Yeah. I love that you have transit lines in your uh, in night in your own bedroom. That's brilliant. <laughs> um, so uh, I, I first got into your work by reading The Walker's Guide to Outdoor Clues and Signs. And I'd recommend that book to anyone that wants to dip their toes into this. I'll never see Ivy in the same way again. Um, and but the biggest barrier for me, Tristan, in in na- navigating my way through my local woodland, I, I grew up in the country on on a farm in Devon, but I never learned the name for stuff. So the name for different trees, different flowers, um, I, I just never managed to retain it. And a, a lot of your work relies upon being able to accurately identify the different things. What would you say to perhaps people who aren't uh, uh, who haven't got that knowledge of the different species and different things in in the the, the wild, um, how they can still find their way around. I really, really, I'm so happy you asked that question because I'm I'm um, I don't know the words for it, but I, I I'm I'm not an, a name fan. I okay. the way I the way I, there are people who 
who confuse identification by name with understanding. Mm. And that I'm, I'm totally against that. I think it puts lots of people off nature, not least kids. Um, and I've, I've been in a conversation perhaps a dozen times with, with botanists and other people where I sort of say to them, people are put off by names because there are, you know, maybe eight different names for a common wildflower. And I know the response that comes, it goes, oh, that's why we've got, you know, the, the Latin name. I then have to say, yeah, but you're, you're, you're seeing things within one culture already. You know, the same plant that we're talking about, I've walked with the Dayak in Borneo and they've forgotten more about that plant than either of us will ever know, but they, their Latin's pretty weak. So names can never actually be the answer. So the, the way I look at it is, Look at using our senses first and foremost, because our brains, you know, can't do anything without the senses feeding the raw material. But then um, recognizing patterns, shapes, colors, all of these kind of um, primary uh, recognition tools is is vital. So what I, what I quite often encourage people to do is is um, you know when when you can work out a little circuit that goes from being next to a patch of water, a pond, a river, or the sea. Uh, then then takes you a little bit higher and it only has to be a couple of meters because the the botany will change entirely um and then back to the water's edge again and what you'll quickly notice is that the plants from from tiny tiny plants up to mighty trees changes on that circuit quite dramatically now what you can do is actually start to build your own map relative to distance to water by the things you see and recognize without a single name so you might need the names if you want to communicate with somebody who's ne- who's not on the walk with you and explain what to look for. And of course, that's what I'm doing in my writing sometimes. But for your own personal experience, next time you're stood by a river or a lake or, or the sea, just have a look at the at this time of year, you know, early summer, wildflowers. You can look at bird behavior. You don't need the names to actually, and our brain has evolved to do that sort of pairing very, very efficiently. Mm. Our, our brain has not evolved to sit there staring at long lists of, of of species names it, it has evolved to recognize patterns very quickly and make associations so we we all quickly learn that the, the the danger signs um uh and and that that becomes very sort of instinctive it's exactly the same with navigation if every time we see a certain sort of tree or a flower or a, or a bird we we see water next to it and we take the time to to pause and look at that we can accelerate that process our brain very quickly starts to say you're about to see some water and that that's such a satisfying fun moment yeah and the other thing i love about what you're doing is it's incredibly mindful as well i i think it's all about really just noticing the the details the intricacies the beauty in in the world around you which uh, you know many of us who have very active minds that are the thoughts swimming around i, I think it's there's a there's a, a real uh, without trying to get too spiritual on everyone but there's there's a real kind of purity in in, in that yes and, and i what I what I found with mindfulness is that there are some people who, if somebody says there's some good research that says if you go and sit in the woods and you're mindful for ten minutes you will feel better, will go and do that and they will feel better and that's a great thing. But there's another camp of people and I think I'm I'm in this camp, where our brain has rejects that approach quite quite in a quite a determined way, but we can arrive at a very sort of similar place of serenity, uh, calm, you know possibly even happiness you know by by actually not actively trying to not think or or or, but giving our brain the sort of challenge that it really enjoys so just asking yourself which way am i looking for example leads to a type of mindfulness 
that that for me works better than you know focusing on breathing for example i think focusing on breathing clearly works for an awful lot of people billions of people but mm. for me i find looking just looking at a landscape and it doesn't have to be a very exotic one it can be a it can be a city park or it can be a, a, a patch of water or whatever it is and and just sort of saying what is the clue or sign here and there is always at least one it, it it's a it's a friendly trick on our brain to say basically stop thinking about emails deadlines pressures stress um you know anything from from home to work and back again and you just have to sort of click into that that gear that i think our, our brain was um because because as my understanding we biologically haven't changed at all in in 10,000 years and 10,000 years ago we were not stressing about the sorts of things that most of us are stressing about so um, it, it allows us to kind of click back 10,000 years in the space of a minute. Yeah. Wow. I, I, I think for me as well, one of the reasons I love going into the outdoors is that sense of perspective that it gives you, it takes you out of yourself. Um, and the, the thing that does that the most for me is looking up at the night sky, um, and contemplating the, the massiveness of space. Uh, and that's clearly something you do a lot with celestial navigation. Tell me a little bit about, about that side of your work. Yes, I, I learnt um, quite a few years ago now um, conventional uh, sextant navigation. And again, I get into fun debates with people where they're going, these people who, who say don't use the sextant. And the, the US Navy, I think, phased out use of the sextant a couple of decades ago, and they've brought it back in. But people sort of say, yeah, but what if all the electronics go? And I actually, I'm not part of that camp. I say to people, if you're worried about your electronics going, get more electronics. If that's really, you know, I, I know a lot of ocean <laughs> sailors who, who build their own sort of, well, make their own Faraday cages by sticking sticking GPS units in tinfoil and then sticking it in the, uh, the gimbaled oven and all this sort of stuff. Well, that's not a new problem, is it, Tristan? Back in the age of the sextant, they, big, the big thing for longitude was the chronometer that they needed. And, and these, these big um, sailing expeditions had 12, 14 different chronometers because they all go rusty and break. So they were just as stuffed back then, just as we are now when GPS goes down. Totally, totally. And I'm, uh, I enjoy things like using the sextant. And that's why I encourage people to have a bit of fun with that. But one of the one of the sort of popular misconceptions is that celestial navigation is, is difficult and we can actually if we split direction from um, uh, fixing your position finding direction using the stars is a very very simple sort of 10 second exercise the north stars uh, within one degree of true north finding it you know with a tiny bit of you know literally one minute's practice takes takes two seconds uh, so we have a fast accurate method of finding direction using the stars with no kiss at all and and only only a few minutes training uh fixing your position is an entirely different thing because of what you were mentioning there longitude so we can use the north star to find latitude very easily it's it's elevation it's angle above the the horizon um equates to our to our latitude but uh longitude is is not there is no purely um uh, natural method for for establishing that without without some time um longitude reference so so what i say to people is don't be put off if you hear somebody say celestial navigation takes five days training etc 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 they're referring to sextants and that is true to, to even get going but uh you can learn maybe a dozen methods for finding north south east and west using the stars in 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 an hour quite easily yeah that, i mean that sounds like some really fun tricks to go and experiment with um i've heard of um so there's a great book i don't know if you read it called sextant um, which looks at the the ancient techniques of navigation that they've developed over the centuries. My favourite one was the Polynesians 
who allegedly they would stand on their balsa wood rafts and they would get, gauge their direction through uh, spreading their legs and they would measure the ocean swells through the swinging of their testicles. Yes, if, it, if it's the book I'm thinking of, it, it's written by a friend of mine called David. And uh, yeah, and uh, funnily enough, that 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 anecdote was it was in a book of mine as well. It, it, it it's quite a popular one for obvious reasons. Okay, when when I first wrote it, my my publisher, because my, the first book I wrote was called The Natural Navigator, and there was mm. no nobody written on this subject in any in any sort of um, certainly relating to land in any way at all that I could, I could find for for over fifty years. And there was a real resistance, understandably, within the, the, the publishing world and then my publisher, you know, are people really going to get this? And so they were trying to popularize everything I was doing. If I mentioned a particular lichen, I say Xanthoria, the golden lichen, it's a color compass. The more gold it is, the, the more direct sunlight it's getting. Therefore, the more likely it is on the southern side of a, a tree or a wall. They go, just, just get the word Xanthoria out. That's going to put people off. Funnily enough, people are, yeah, I'm delighted to say, a lot geekier than than my publisher first thought. But when it when it came to that one, I I gave that I wrote that anecdote, and I remember I remember my um, publisher saying, "Isn't there a female equivalent?" <laughs> it's like, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, this is this is not a this is not a sexist subject, but historically the Pacific navigators were all male. Mm. I, I said, you know, we can, if you like, say in theory, you know, the, the pendulous swing of breast would achieve the same result. But I think we're slightly, <laughs> we're slightly patronizing the subject. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tristan, it's been fascinating talking to you. Thank you so much. What's the best way for people to um, access your work or connect with you online? Oh, thanks, Will. Thanks so much for having me on. Um, to, to get a little feel for it, uh, naturalnavigator.com has hundreds of examples on there. And you can you can kind of search via if stars are your thing or, or sea or plants. You can go in, in via your, because that's what I found. Everybody has their, their niches of, of interest. And, and that's that's your way in. Uh, people who are fascinated by stars might find the idea of animals uh, doesn't doesn't work for them. But 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 through the website, you can have a look at all of those. Uh, as you as you kindly mentioned before, there's a podcast. Um, uh, there's stuff about my books on the website, uh, and I've done a, a TEDx talk, which is um, uh, just on the, the 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 introduction and the basics of of natural navigation as well. Brilliant. So next time you're wandering around your local woods, maybe during lockdown, your your patch is diminished. Maybe you'll start seeing it through new eyes, and you just need to ask yourself that simple question: Which way am I looking? Tristan, thank you so much. Thanks so much, Will. Happy navigating. <laughs>